Welcome in to Please Bear With Me. I'm your host, Travis Corley. And what a tough but hard-fought loss to the BYU Cougars in one of the best atmospheres we are ever going to play in and probably the best atmosphere we're going to play in this year. So it definitely prepared us for things to come. We fought to the end, double overtime. Just couldn't pull it out. So we are going to talk about what happened. Should we be worried? And then we'll move on to Texas State, as we always do, to the next week. Please bear with me. Welcome in to Please Bear With Me. I'm your host, Travis Corley. Whew. Whew. Had to take uh, several, several deep breaths after that game. Um, lots and lots of thoughts and feelings in my brain and in my heart after the game. And so it was for a lot of other Bears fans on the, uh, on the Bird app we like to call Twitter. Um, lots of, uh, overreactions in my, in my opinion, from what we saw, um, it's okay to be critical of the team, but, uh, also some people get crazy out there, man. Some people get a little bit crazy and, uh, you know, overreact to one game, one game in a very tough environment in the best environment we're going to play this year against the best quarterback that we're going to play against this year against a top 15 team. Yes. BYU is a very very good team. And they had this game circled on their calendar from last year and we were in it to the end, double overtime. As badly as we played, we were in it until the end. Obviously a lot of things to shore up, which we're going to talk about, but I want to get everyone in a positive mood and put this in a positive light and help turn this page to Texas State and to the rest of this season. And what better way to do it than to hear what Dave Aranda had to say after the game. So we're starting this episode off by talking about what Dave talked about. Put on your boots, let's out dance. Dave Aranda had a press conference. Let's say howdy and yeehaw. Dave Aranda's gonna talk football. Dave's gonna talk football. Very proud of their effort and their heart. Um, you know, I, I mean, what I told them was, I mean, there is plenty of opportunities for um, a lot of individuals or maybe a lot of teams to um, to either quit or turn it down or to um, to not keep not to continue to give effort and not to continue to fight and so right up until that last play you know that fourth down I think everyone on our sidelines thinking we're going to win 
And that's just way special. I think there's a lot of work that you have to do to get to that point. And uh, I told him, you have to fight for that, you know. You know, um, I mean, there's going to be wins and losses, but, um, you know, a bigger loss would be if we lose that belief and we lose that uh, connection, you know, if it gets uh, twisted or soured or, you know, gets disconnected, that would be a big loss. We'll continue to fight um, so that uh, we can fight for each other like we did tonight. You know, wait, um, you know, disappointed in our lack of discipline. Um, you know, um, reminds me a little bit of the, the Oklahoma State game a year ago. You know, that game was more of um, more of a um, kind of a break and kind of a frustration, kind of a breakdown. We, we would call that playing red and didn't really feel that tonight. I felt like um, we were able to kind of hold our composure, but just thought that... Um, you know, we have to be able to, to, to not hold on critical pass downs. We've got to be able to be able to play through the down and not have a passive interference on critical downs. You know, I, you know, we have 14 penalties, which is way, way too much. You know, I think we go into these tough environments. You know, this is the first of a couple. It's really kind of colored this whole season. It's going to be this. And, um, you know, it's one thing to be able to play an opponent, um, a real worthy and... and um, and good opponent, but we can't be playing them and us. And we were doing that basically the whole game. And so, you know, we can get better for, uh, in that regard for sure. You know, I have to do a better job uh, because it's something that we've been talking about, but we, we're not doing. And so we've got to make the connections there. So that was Coach Aranda um, post-game, not but 20 to 30 minutes after the game. Um, giving giving encouraging thoughts about what had happened and um saying how proud he was of the team that they never wavered um in their confidence that they would pull that game out in, until it was over and he was it was encouraged by by the fight that he saw and that encouraged me that that made me feel a little bit better about the loss it made me be able to swallow swallow that loss a little bit better uh, to hear from your head coach um, and to get those signals from him that, you know, the sky isn't falling, which it's not because this is just one game and it's not even a big 12 game. And I'll, I'll get into all that later, but back to what Aranda was saying, like, yeah, encouraged by the fight and it is different for me than the Oklahoma State game last year as well because he mentioned it. The, the Oklahoma State, we were just, we were undisciplined from a frustration standpoint and more of like, hey, things aren't going my way, so I'm going to act out. And I, I think this game was different. I think we showed a little bit better competitive maturity than we did against Oklahoma State last year in that. Yeah, we were undisciplined and had very dumb penalties, but it wasn't because um, we were angry or we weren't uh, reacting to things not going our way or reacting negatively to things we can't control. So I, it was positive from that standpoint um, for me, but really just, just wanted to kick the episode off with hearing from Coach Aranda 
um, because I know it made me feel better and hopefully will help you feel a little bit better and help you turn the page on to Texas State this weekend. So there you have it. Dave Aranda, uh, Post Game Thoughts. Put on your boots, let's all dance. Dave Aranda had a press conference. Let's say howdy and yeehaw. Dave Aranda's going to talk football. Dave's going to talk football. We are going to get into the game, but I want to take a look at the big picture about what happened, in my opinion, and give you kind of the Big 12 perspective on what just happened. And Aranda also mentioned in his post game that sometimes you it's like you're looking through a straw and you can't see the entire picture. And I think that's kind of what was happening um, to a lot of people on, on the Bird app after the game ended. It was a it was a late night. A lot of people were tired. And so uh, some things were said. And so from a big picture standpoint and from a Big 12 perspective, when I kind of step back and think about um, Baylor's situation moving into the Big 12, I am um, not too concerned um, from this big picture because Baylor, now through two weeks and looking ahead to next week before we really get into conference play, Baylor is going to have played the toughest game on the road and the second best team that any other Big 12 team has played apart from Texas playing Alabama. And so a lot of these Big 12 teams are, yeah, they may go into Big 12 play in week four, three and oh. But they will not have faced the adversity that Baylor has already faced. I think our team has learned more about ourselves than any other Big Big 12 team up until this point, and certainly will after next week as well. A lot of these other Big 12 teams have gotten to play, yes, Power 5 uh, games, but for the most part um, have been at home. You know, West Virginia went to Pitt. I think that was a good learning experience for them. But as we saw, they just lost to Kansas. Um, so they're, they're learning about themselves too. But certainly no one has played in the atmosphere that Baylor just did this past weekend. And I don't think there's any other atmosphere like that in the Big 12, which is also another reason um, I'm very excited to have BYU into the Big 12. We need that type of atmosphere as an addition to the Big 12. And so these other Big 12 teams having not faced much adversity coming into Big 12 play, they are going to find out or have to find out who they are in a Big 12 game when there are Big 12 wins and losses on the line. And we will have the upper hand as we have just gone through some extreme adversity. And guys, this didn't count as a conference loss. We are still... Zero and zero in Big 12 team in Big 12 play. And we have learned so much about who we are and learned so much about who we need to become in order to win the Big 12, in order to go back to back. So when I think about it um, from that standpoint, like all of these other Big 12 teams are going to face some adversity for the first time when the money is on the line. 
So if you will, just kind of take a step back, think about it from that perspective. And I'm hopeful that that will also make you feel a little bit better because I, I think we're still in a very good spot. And man, I would rather this happen right now than in two weeks when we head up to Ames and play Iowa State. We are going to be far, far better prepared for that game after what just happened this weekend. And to be quite honest with you, if I had to choose whether we won this BYU game or whether we win the Iowa State game, it's win the Iowa State game a hundred times out of 100 because I just always fall back on that is a big 12 conference game goals for the season. And Mark Milton said this after the game as well, all of the goals that the Baylor football team has put out for themselves are still within reach. They are still within grasp. Nothing has changed about this team's goals. And I think this is a great perspective to have. It's the perspective I'm going to move forward with um, going into Texas State and the rest of the season. So there's my two cents on, uh, you know, not looking through the straw and rather um, looking at a bird's eye view of what's coming ahead uh, for Baylor this season and the position we, we still are in, which is a very, very good position. Man, I'm really glad that I did that first because um, that is going to help me get through this BYU recap (laughs) a lot smoother. Um, I am pretty exhausted. I am recording this on Sunday night um, while it's all still fresh in my mind, but also because I am ready to turn the page. I'm ready to move on to Texas State. I'm ready to get all of the demons and exercise all the demons um, out of me about this BYU game. So no guest this week. We're just going to roll right in to the recap. And this was a pretty wild game. It was a super late game that got uh, delayed even 10 minutes uh, to kick off. Um, But at that point, it was like, whatever. And this game was um, uh, an interesting broadcast. We had RG3 on the broadcast who's had some interesting things to say, including um, Squirrel getting his nut, um, which is... um, may have crossed the line (laughs) a little bit. Um, They zoomed in on the moon probably like seven or eight times. Um, I'm not sure really what that was about. They also flashed flashed some like poem or like lyrics underneath it at some point. And I really had um, no idea what the infatuation with the moon was um, for that game. And also also cougar tails, cougar tails. to be quite honest with you, they looked pretty delicious. Um, what did not look delicious was when there was like 13 different BYU students who passed the cougar tail down the line um, and up through the stands, and they all took a bite out of the same cougar tail, which was, um, I, I don't know. I, I guess now that I think back on it, um, they can be they can rest assured that the other people's mouths have not been anywhere inappropriate. Um, and that is as far as I'm going to take the cougar tails. Um, so a very interesting broadcast, um, just 
without the game included. Very interesting broadcast. But with the game included, it was a very rough game. A very rough game. And I am not one to overreact to one game. And so I am going to practice that right now because I, I, I have not overreacted to this game. As you can see from the first 10 minutes of this podcast that I spent spinning this in a positive way and, uh, you know, trying to explain to you that the sky is not falling. The sky is still up in the sky. It is not falling. And as badly as we played, and we all know that we played badly, there is no escaping that fact. We still sent this game into double overtime against now a top 15 team, and I think they will finish as a top 15 team in a ruckus, 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 what, whatever. It was a crazy, crazy environment. And we are a very young team offensively. We, outside of that offensive line, we do not have a lot of game experience. And that, that, <laughs> that definitely definitely showed. And what's positive also about this is that every time we showed weakness last year or something that um, wasn't very good, we came back the next week and we fixed it. And we looked a lot better um, at those things that we had failed at the week before. And so I I put my trust in Dave and Coach Randa and, and the staff that all of the weaknesses we showed against BYU are going to get shored up. We've got a great game to do that against Texas State before we head up and play Iowa State on a, another tough road environment that, um, you know, we can lose for sure. Um, and, and we definitely beat ourselves this game. Like, no, no doubt about that. 14 penalties is way too many penalties. 117 yards. Um, and C- Coach Randa mentioned it. We were playing two opponents. That, that was something he harped on against Oklahoma State last year. We, were, we weren't only playing Oklahoma State, we were playing ourselves. And, and that's for sure, for sure, what happened against BYU. And if anything, like credit BYU for, for winning the game, but if anything, we beat ourselves more than BYU beat us. I mean, think about that first half. We, we had some pre- pretty nice plays um, that were brought back from penalties. And you think about the overtime squirrel, squirrel Williams gets into the end zone. We score a touchdown, but Ben Sims has a egregious hold one that should, should have never been a hold. Like the player was nowhere near making that tackle. And I'm not sure what, what came over Ben Sims because he tackled him. All he had to do was let go. He's, he wasn't any, anywhere close to squirrel. This is squirrel Williams. We're talking about. All right. So, I mean, we, we beat ourselves more than BYU went out there and beat us. Now, they did do things to beat us, for sure. But, man, we really were playing two opponents. And I, I mentioned it before, I would still rather lose this game now than in two weeks lose to Iowa State. We're still 0-0 in the Big 12. Everything that we want is in front of us. Is in front of us. Um defensively quickly here um i wasn't too concerned with with the defense holding byu to 20 points on the road should be good enough to win almost was good enough to win holding any team 
to 20 points should be good enough to win for us. I think we held teams to like 17 points per game last year. So if if we had gone into this game and you had told me that, hey, BYU is only going to score 20 points, I would have, have for sure said that we would win this game. So yes, there, you know, defensive backfield needs to shore a few things up. We could have definitely gotten some more pressure against them. We struggled against their tempo a little bit, but all in all, um, I thought it it was a great appearance by the defense. And look, Hall, Jaren, their quarterback is is unbelievable. I mean, he made some throws that are just impossible to defend. Namely, the one right before halftime that was perfectly uh, to the side of the end zone and, and a great catch by the receiver um, when we struggled against their up-tempo. But, I mean, what an incredible throw. You, you really have to credit him. He, he is going to be an NFL quarterback. He's likely going to be a first-round draft pick. And he is definitely going to be the best quarterback we face all year. And I'm so glad that that has already happened and that we've been able to see that super early. And it's kind of like that thing where you always want to practice harder than you play. And now that we've seen a quarterback that is going to be the hardest quarterback we play against, I I, I think every other quarterback we now play against is going to be a little bit easier because we're going to say, oh man, well, (laughs) it's not going to be anything like Jaron Hall. Like, remember when we had to play against Hall? That guy was unbelievable. We're not going to see that. And so that's kind of the way that that I look at that. I'm I'm really glad that we got to play that type of caliber uh, this early in the season and really figure out who we are as a defense. Um, so I honestly went longer than I thought I was going to go talking about the defense because I, I I thought they played well. They played more than well enough to win. Um, so let's talk about that offense. Let's who man. Let's let's talk about this atrocity that was the offense and we need an offensive identity badly and we need it quickly we have almost no playmakers or rather we do have playmakers we just don't know who's going to be our main playmaker and going into the game we all thought Baldwin was going to be uh, and I'll take that back Going into the game, we all knew Baldwin was our best uh, playmaker on the offensive side of the ball, and he goes out in the first half. I'm not quite sure exactly what his injury is. Um, I apologize for not knowing. I, I, I want to say it was a con- no. You know what? McWilliams, I think, was a concussion. So I, I have no idea what Baldwin and his, his injury is. Um, but our having our best offensive playmaker, you know, didn't help us. But. Man, do do we trust Shapin to throw the ball? That that is the main question that I came out of this game asking myself. It seemed that on Saturday we did not. Or at least to begin the game, we did, and at some point that changed. We ran the ball 52 times. 52 times. And 18 of our last 22 plays were runs. So at some point in that game, we decided that we did not trust Shapin to throw the ball. I, I think that is apparent and a little bit obvious to me um, by the amount of times that we ran the ball. 
And, you know, I, I put out a poll on Twitter and I said, what is the number one um, group on offense that you're worried about? And the overwhelming answer was wide receivers. And I agree. I, I, I am very worried about our wide receiver core, especially without Baldwin, because I think they had like seven catches. Our, our entire wide receiver group had seven catches. No one really got open. Um, do we have someone that we can line up on the outside uh, alone on their side of the field and say, hey, go win this slant pattern on the inside. Go win this um, jump ball for a first down. I, I'm not sure we have that person. And that's what Thornton was for us last year. That's what Estrada kind of ended up being for us a little bit. And we just don't have a guy at wide receiver um, that has the confidence to do that. And and maybe that is because the chemistry with Shapin and the wide receivers isn't there yet. I mean, to be fair, it is their second game playing together um, really ever uh, with most of these wide receivers. I think we have the talent, absolutely, for someone to emerge in, in that group to do those things for us. It just hasn't happened yet. And may, maybe we haven't had the time for that to happen, but it's going to have to happen quick if we're going to win the Big 12 championship. It, it is going to have to happen quick. So I, I mirror your concerns about the wide receiver group and someone needs to emerge. Someone needs to emerge quickly. And, and back to Blake Shapin. Um, yeah, we, we didn't trust him to, to throw the ball, at least in the second half. Uh, I thought we came out and, and tried to let him throw the ball. And for whatever reason, I, I, I wasn't able to see downfield and see if receivers just weren't open. But I can for sure tell you that he held on to the ball uh, way too long. And those sacks that he took in the first half were, the protection wasn't great for sure, but like he can't take those sacks. He's got to throw that ball away and live to fight another day. And he took sacks when he shouldn't have, and those killed our drive. Uh, the penalties for sure killed our drives, and then him holding on to the ball killed, absolutely killed our, our drives. We had, I think, at one point, five three and out in a rows. Five three and out in a rows. I I told you guys I'm tired. Five three and outs in a row in the first half, and we got six points in the first half. So, yes, those are mainly negative things that I had to say about wide receivers and and, and about Chapin. But from the wide receivers, the positive thing is, hey, we've got the talent to do it, and I can see someone emerging. Not sure who it's going to be. I'm hoping it's going to be Presley, but that can happen. And and from Chapin's perspective, guys. He, he's still young. He is a sophomore, okay? He's, what, 20 years old? Maybe. And this is his first, I think this, this was his fourth start. His fourth start is in BYU, in the altitude, at 8.15 at night, in front of 60,000 screaming Mormons. I mean, that that's tough. That is a tough environment to go into for the fourth start of your career and the second game with you and these new wide receivers. I mean, that's tough to do. So we've got to keep that in the back of our heads. And, you know, we were fools to think that it would click so easily between Shapin 
and these wide receivers. Can shape and sling the ball? Absolutely. Do we have athleticism at the receiver position? Absolutely. But what we don't have is experience and chemistry. And that is something that needs to develop, and it needs to develop quickly. To the offensive line, yes, they had a very, very rough game. Shapin was absolutely pressured a lot. And I was a little bit disappointed in the offensive line and the pressure that BYU was able to get. And actually, I'm going to stop right there before I forget to say it, but BYU returned all 11 starters on defense, okay? So, like, keep that in the back of your mind as well, that these guys remember us from last year. They all played us last year. They all remembered how physical the game was and how we just we just beat them to a pulp in Waco. And so for all 11 of their defensive players to return, to play at home, uh, again, in that environment, I mean, they, they were ready to go. And our offensive line just did not pass protect very well. And Aranda has mentioned it is very hard to pass protect like that in in college. That is uh, a big reason why our offense was structured the way it was last year. Um, but I, it seems apparent to me that pass protection is going to be a struggle for this offensive line as good as we expected this offensive line to be pass protection may be an issue it certainly was an issue this past weekend and the right side of the line was absolutely problematic absolutely I mean Grant Miller that was probably his worst game as a Baylor Bear yet and Byers at right tackle is is not the answer, and we really, really miss Khalil Keith. We miss Khalil Keith so badly, and I so hope that he is back and healthy for Iowa State because we desperately need an answer at right tackle. And now to the running backs. You know, I thought the running backs played pretty good given the offensive circumstances. I, I really thought they did. I thought, you know, it, it it sucks that Tay McWilliams went out so early, but I thought Quaylen played pretty good. I think Squirrel played pretty good. I think they both ended with over four yards per carry. The, you know, the total yardage wasn't there, but as badly as our offensive as our offense struggled, I, I felt like they found a way to find those yards. They found a way to get us some first downs and get us some some momentum. And, and at least get us to 20 points. So, you know, if there's one group that I'm not worried about on the offense, it is definitely the running backs. And now just kind of like the offense as a whole, I am um, not as concerned as I was after the game uh, right now. Because, I mean, if you guys don't follow Travis Roeder, and follow his Sunday like game film breakdowns of a, a lot of the plays from our game from Saturday night. Like you should, because there were there were times where our offense looked really good. Like there were times when Shapin made great reads and great throws, and he stepped up into the pocket and he delivered a strike on time to the right person accurately. But 
there were other times when he looked like deer in the headlights, like he had no earthly idea what was going on. Now, I think there was a time where I think he even turned the wrong way. All the receivers were on the left side of the field. He rolled to the right side of the field and continued to look downfield like there were receivers on the right side of the field. I, it is, it, I, I have no idea what was going through his head on that play, what was, what was happening on that play. It, it is, it will escape me probably, I, I will probably never have an answer to that question. But the inconsistencies is what, is what I'm trying to get to. We, we had great runs with great blocking. And then other times we would hold or just miss blocks. So, you know, flashes of greatness, but then flashes of not greatness, too inconsistent. And so when I think about those, those flashes of greatness, it it gives me hope and, uh, and, and my trust with, with Jeff Grimes and with Mateos and with Bell and Juice and all of those offensive coaches is that we will harness the greatness and we will be able to do that consistently. I am hopeful of that. This is going to be also one of the best defenses we play against. So I, I, I do trust that they will find an identity for this offense, find the things that we do well, and continue to do those things moving, moving forward to the end of the season. The opportunity is there. We just need more reps, and we're running out of time for more reps. We've got to get some confidence after this Texas State game going into Iowa State. Identity. We need an identity. What do I think our identity should be? Squirrel Williams. Squirrel Williams needs to be the identity of this offense. He is built for the wide zone offense. His start and stop motion and quickness is exactly what we need. I think he could be a little bit better at uh, finding the cutbacks. I think Abram Smith was so good at finding those cutback lanes. But right now, this offense needs an identity. And I think it needs to be Squirrel Williams. I think he ended with 17 or 18 carries. Like, if we can get him more than 20 carries a game, that, that's going to be at least the answer in the short term for this, for this offense. And maybe move away from multiple reads for Blake Shapin. And, you know, what one read and check down. Or one read and run. But uh, the, to answer my own question about what I think the identity needs to be of this offense, it's, it's Squirrel Williams. So, yes, offense, absolutely atrocious, but there were flashes there that we can take from this game and, um, and learn from and move forward with, and we can find an identity. I truly believe that. I just hope that we find an identity before it is um, a little too late. And guys, trust, trust in this coaching staff. This is one game. There's literally one game that does nothing whatsoever to hurt our chances at a Big 12 championship. If there is one thing that I want you to take away from listening to this episode of the podcast is that this did not hurt our chances at all at winning the Big 12 
championship. We are going to learn from this. We are going to be better. And credit BYU. Yes, this was a lot of Baylor bad, but it wasn't only Baylor bad. BYU played their tails off. They're a top 15 team. So, you know, some of this had to do with BYU good. BYU very good. All right, moving on from the sadness of what the offense was, it is time for the oh-so-good player of the game. And this week, it is going to Matt Jones. Eight tackles, which led the team. Five of those solo led the team. One sack, one tackle for loss, one pass defended. I thought Matt played solid for us all night. And I thought he made a big difference as to why we were able to stuff that run attack of the BYU Cougars. Doyle goes out in the second half with the targeting and Matt stepped up in a big way. Honorable mention, Quaylen Jones, 16 rushes, 67 yards, 4.2 average with two touchdowns. Squirrel Williams, 17 rushes for 68 yards, a four yard per carry average and Tyrone Brown stepping in for Dylan Doyle uh, when he goes out I thought Brown stepped in and played really well played solid for us but this week's oh so good player of the game Matt Jones all right I think it is time to turn the page on BYU and get some good feelings around this football team again and get some confidence going in to Iowa State and Big 12 play in a couple weeks. And I couldn't think of a better opponent to do it against than the Texas State Bobcats. Last year, these guys were 4-8, and 1-1 and this year. And last year, we beat them 29-20 to in our very first game did not play particularly well on defense or really on offense and do you guys remember how worried we were after this game I I at least remember how worried I was I remember thinking hey this defense yeah not not cracked up to be what it is couldn't stop the run could not stop the run without a JT Woods pick six This game looks a lot different. Man. So yeah, I I remember how worried I was after this game. And then, hey, look what happened. We went on that incredible run. Had one of the best defenses in the nation. So, kind of chuckling at how worried um, I was after that game. And you know what? I think we're going to have a similar uh, feeling this year, looking back on this BYU game. Um, No. We're, we're all worried right now about a loss on the road in double overtime to a top 15 team. It's like, my, how things have changed. How things have changed from one year to the next. And this Texas State offense, uh, air raid type style, they've got a new quarterback, Lane Hatcher. He's got five touchdowns, three interceptions on the year. 
They're returning their leading rusher, Calvin Hill. He's got about 714 yards from last year, a 5.6 average last year, and this year is averaging about 5.7. And returning um, some experience there at wide receiver, returning their leading receiver in Javin Brooks. He's a senior. Um, not too worried about what they're going to present to us, though. Um, I am kind of excited that we're going to go against an air raid type offense to, hey, help that help those defensive backs out because that is a little bit of a weakness on our on our defense right now. It's going to give them an opportunity to come out and to make some plays and to gain some confidence, but also for a pass rush. Pass rush was not great this past weekend, and so this air raid type offense is going to give our defense um, exactly the look that I think we need um, to improve, to improve a lot. So I'm excited from that standpoint. And then defensively, this Texas State team, I mean, they were one of the worst defenses in the Sun Belt last year. Pass rush and rush defenses, defense were weaknesses. So, man, if there's a game where we can come out and hopefully let Blake um, sling it, as as people say now, let Blake sling it, let him gain some more confidence um, and gain some more identity and gain some more chemistry with these wide receivers that, that we desperately need and also let these wide receivers come out and make some plays and gain their confidence um, as well. If you if you haven't if you haven't uh, you know gathered it already, what I'm expecting out of this game is like just to gain a lot of confidence. And I'm hoping you know I don't think we lost a lot of confidence as a team this past weekend. I think as fans we lost a lot more confidence. Um, at least some fans out there. I haven't lost much confidence, to be quite honest with you. Um, but this team, I, I, I can tell you that this team has not lost a lot of confidence, um, if any at all. And I, I feel like they're hungry to get back on the field, on the practice field, on that game field uh, there in McLean, and show us what, what they're all about and um, get back to to who they are and and who our identity is going to be. And I think they're excited to get back out there. I think they're confident and the type of team that they can be and that they are going to be. And so I'm excited to turn the page on on last weekend and get get back to McLean this weekend, gain some confidence. So yeah, that, that is the theme for me heading into this Texas State game. Bare necessities this weekend for Texas State. Let's get into them. Offensively, it's build the quarterback wide receiver chemistry. We need reps. We need a playmaker at wide receiver to emerge on the outside. I have mentioned we've got the talent. We've certainly got the talent to do it now it's all about that next person stepping up showing us that they can do it in a game we need confidence from that group heading into the rest of this season secondly it's to play a clean game far too many penalties last weekend against BYU we were playing two opponents 
We were playing them and we were playing ourselves. We are not going to win many games playing two opponents. We've got to play a clean game this weekend against Texas State. Game prediction. Yes, what is your game prediction? I will tell you right now. So right now this game is sitting at a 31 point spread with the over under at 53. I think we definitely hit the over. Not by much though. I think Baylor comes out with a fire under our butts. I think we come out with a lot of confidence and we get over last week with a huge win and a beatdown of Texas State. Give me Baylor winning 48-9. to No touchdowns for Texas State. Big 12 picks for the week. To recap last week, week two, I went 4-3-1. That tie coming from the Houston at Texas Tech game. I had Houston plus three points and Tech won by three points. Games that I lost on, BYU versus Baylor, missed there. Bama versus UT, missed there. Bama got nowhere close to winning by 20 points. And then Kent State at number seven, OU. OU was unable to cover the 32 and a half spread Final score there, 33-3 to OU. Games I won on, though, Missouri at Kansas State. Kansas State covered their eight-point spread, winning 40-12. to uh, Iowa State finally got the monkey off their back and beat, at, beat Iowa in Iowa, and Iowa was favored by three-and-a-half points, and Iowa State won outright. Kansas beats West Virginia, and ladies and gentlemen, watch out for the Kansas Jayhawks. They have a serious, not maybe not serious, but hey, they've got a competitive team this year. Kansas wins by 13, and West Virginia was favored by 13 points. That is that is pretty wild. And then Arizona State went into Oklahoma State and lost 34 to 17. Um, Oklahoma State able to cover that spread of 11. Moving into week three, a couple of games with no lines here. Towson at West Virginia, no line. Arkansas Pine Bluff at Oklahoma State, no line. So I've got, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games to pick. And we'll start there with Texas State at number 17, Baylor. I've got Baylor covering the 31-point spread. Number six, OU, heading to Lincoln, Nebraska off of a freshly fired head coach in Scott Frost. His tenure ends at Nebraska. They'll be playing under a interim head coach. OU is favored by 13 and a half points. I think they'll cover. I've got OU winning by more than 13 and a half points. I Ohio is visiting Iowa State. Iowa State's favored by 21 and I think they will cover. So I've got Iowa State there. Tulane is going to Kansas State. Kansas State favored by 16 and a half points. I think they'll also cover. So I've got Kansas State. And then Kansas is visiting Houston. I am very intrigued 
by this matchup. If Kansas can go in there and play well, I think they can beat Houston. Houston is favored by nine and a half. I do think Houston wins, but I don't think it's more than nine and a half points. So give me Kansas. Texas Tech visiting NC State, number 16. Also very excited about this matchup. Actually excited about these, these next three matchups. Uh, Tech at NC State. NC State favored by nine and a half points. I'm going to take Tech. I think they'll uh, I think they'll show up here. It's going to be a close game, uh, but NC State wins not by nine and a half points, though. And then lastly, UTSA, the Roadrunners, going to Austin to visit somehow a number 21 uh, Texas somehow moves up the rankings after losing a game. Probably the only school that can ever do that. It's pretty wild. Texas is favored by 13 and a half points. Uh, they probably end up winning, but it's not going to be by 13 and a half. So give me UTSA. Thanks for tuning in this week. As always, go follow me on Twitter at please bear W underscore me. Have lots of fun on the bird app. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode and were able to get over that BYU loss. It was a tough one, but look, guys, we're going to be okay. The Big 12 is right there for the taking ahead of us. And, uh, you know, I think we're in a pretty good spot. We face some adversity and we've got some things to, to work on. But, uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, no other team has uh, has played in a tougher environment than we have in the Big 12 so far. And uh, BYU is a is a very, very good team. They're, they're, they're a top 15 team um, at the end of this year, likely a uh, top 10 team, honestly. So, uh, hey, lots to look forward to this season. Don't be discouraged by one loss. It's just one game. And I hope to see you all at McLean this Saturday for the beatdown that we are going to put on the Texas State Bobcats. This is Travis Corley saying, stay well and sick em bears. The Please Bear With Me podcast was created by Scotty Swingler is hosted and produced by Travis Corley in affiliation with 247 Sports and Bears Illustrated.